This is the SciDev.net podcast for science news and views on global development. In this month's programme, we look at the ancient art of mapping. We discover how it's evolved through technology and how it makes a difference in today's most pressing crises. We'll learn how citizen scientists are mapping remote territories in vulnerable areas to predict humanitarian disasters. OpenStreetMaps is available to anyone, so if you wanted to map at home, you could just sit down on on your computer and start editing it. It's like a Wikipedia of maps, basically. And we'll learn how satellites are helping them. So say if we have some elevation data which comes from satellite imagery, we can use it to do slope analysis to help decide the locations uh, for those that have been displaced from the earthquake. We'll travel to Congo, where NGOs and local people are joining efforts to fight poaching. And we'll learn how mapping Asia's water resources can improve the lives of more than one billion people. Our belief was that creating a a common set of publicly available information was really critical in building a common evidence pool for these different actors to respond to and, and act on. Welcome to the SciDev.net podcast for news and views on science and global development. The Himalaya Hindu Kush mountain range and the Tibetan plateau are widely known as the Third Pole. Its ice fields contain the world's largest reserve of fresh water outside the polar regions. But the Third Pole is not only a precious natural resource, it's also the source of unique climatic and environmental data that today are available on the internet for free. Lou Del Bello is back with us to tell us more. Hi there, Lou. Hi, John. So what exactly is this project about and why is it important? This project is important because it helps understand the natural system of one of the highest regions on Earth and the source of the 10 major river systems that provide irrigation, power and drinking water for over 1.3 billion people, nearly the 20% of the world population. But the area is endangered by climate change, and knowing more about its geography and climatic patterns is important to make prediction on the impacts of extreme weather events. Willie Schubert is a Washington-based geojournalism expert at the Earth Journalism Network. I asked him how climate instability affects the life of people in Nepal. You know, one example from the story, so we're, we're doing this in, in collaboration with a network of journalists called The Third Pole, and they're a group of environmental journalists based throughout the region who are trying to write about Asia's water crisis. And in one of their stories, there's a wealth of examples, but in one of the stories, um, it includes an anecdote about a farmer in Nepal and how the unpredictable monsoon uh, led them to an increased reliance upon irrigation water, which slowed down their ability to harvest. And this is, you know, incredibly important as an individual story because, you know, Nepal is a nation where agricultural production is not on pace with population growth. So there's a tremendous pressure. And this isn't something that's, that's new. It's becoming more and more typical as shifting temperatures and seasons mean the water doesn't often arrive when it used to or in the expected quantities. So scientists are investigating these changes. The problem here is the science is there. It's just very difficult to understand for analysts and policymakers. 
so the third pole platform simplifies complex science and datasets through maps, animations and visualization. But collecting a huge amount of data from different sources in the area comes with a set of challenges. And that's also part of the reason why the platform is the first of its kind. Well, actually, the region is an interesting case because access to data in, is segmented and often constrained by licensing schemes. Um, so you have a, many different countries who have each their own um, their own infrastructure for managing data, for managing data, for responding to uh, climate risks, for uh, allocating water resources. Um, but what you also have is a situation where these rivers are crossing national borders. And, you know, the headwaters is in one country, the delta is in another, it passes through multiple countries. So it's really a, an issue of, of collective management and a collective response. So since these, these threats to water are common, that's what the climate change issue represents, is it's a common uh, threat to the current status quo. Okay, Lou, so who will be the users of this new evidence pool? Will it be the general public or just uh, other scientists? Well, according to Willy, the platform will be a useful tool for everyone, but in particular for journalists. Here's why. Well, I think that it's certainly interesting in and of itself. If you go through and you, you look at each of the data sets, uh, on every page they display automatically, so you can see an interactive map of say, where are all the dams in the Ganges, or where is the flood-prone areas in Bangladesh, or what's the status of all the glaciers, of all the basins, you can click on that and just see um, very quickly what is the status. Now, that's important for people who are analyzing or interpreting this kind of information, but with this catalog, it's a first step, because in order to make this into having some real knowledge value, you need that interpretation, you need that design, you need that, that expertise as, as media to simplify these issues, to combine them in interesting ways to tell stories. So the next step for us after the catalog of building a database that is a common resource amongst many different partners is the interpretation, is providing that next level of... Um, understanding by combining these data sets in interesting ways to tell stories in a way that is both has both evidence and the human context what's at stake here because that's really what's important and what's really necessary for regional cooperation on tackling these critical issues especially as our climate changes well, that was Willie Schubert of the Earth Journalism Network speaking to Lou Del Bello about the new platform, Third Pole. Now, Lou, speaking of climate change, I know that the coming month will be a crucial one for uh, the global debate. Definitely. It's going to be very important. The 1st of December, we see the start of the UN 20th Conference of Parties on Climate Change. And we'll be reporting for Lima in Peru. Tell us more about the history of the conference, Lou. Well, the international political response to climate change began in 1992 with the adoption of the United Nations Framework for Climate Change, or UNFCCC. And they created a framework for action aimed at stabilizing the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. 
Tell us about last year's conference and what we can expect in the coming year. So last year, the conference was held in Poland, in Warsaw, and it drew over 8,300 participants, including 4,000 government officials. And the focus was on the loss and damage mechanism. So it's a way of paying back people who've been affected by natural disasters. That's because last year we had a typhoon Ayan hitting the Philippines. Uh, what we can expect this year, this year's COP is considered more of a preparation one. In fact, in 2015, the country's part of the UN Convention on Climate Change will have to reach a legally binding agreement for the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere. That's in accordance with the Kyoto Protocol. Many are hoping that during this year's conference, the parties will agree on a draft of the document to be signed in 2015. Well, Lou, thanks very much for that. And we're looking forward to knowing more about COP20 this month. Well, that's all for now from me, John Eskam, and the SciDev.net team. Until next time, it's goodbye.